Welcome to 21 Tango, where we break down casinos and gambling in a way you've never seen before. Whether you're a casual player looking for a fun time and a slight edge, or a seasoned blackjack dealer of 20 years, we have the insights, banter, and knowledge that you need to optimize your experience. Please join us as we take you into the blackjack pit, the cash vault, and everywhere else, so the next time you step foot in a casino, you will be the professional. Do you want to fire in this fight? Fight, fight, yeah. fight, fight. Um. <laughs> so yeah, we had a uh, little fight breakout on a big bet poker live stream. Never heard of that live stream before, but uh, always willing to check out a little verbal spat. <laughs> so uh, we have a uh, young male, twenty-five, blonde hair slickster versus a uh, middle-aged male. Uh. 45 to 50, kind of strong, silent, quiet type. Nice. Um, and uh, the wreckage ensues. Let's uh, let's take a look at uh, what we got. Let's do it. Oh, they got Corona. Got a round? Yeah. Wow. Francis, Francis. The energy has massively... Hey, how do you order a beer on Levi's stream with the Bible? I'm bipolar. I'm insane. I got it. Oh, my gosh. There it is, bipolar. That was... What is it about this? I already hate this guy. I don't give a f it's my money. I'll do whatever the f I want. Oh my god. Seat number three has been off the rails tonight. Earlier with Johnny Cigar. Did you work for this one? Don't tell me how to run with done. I don't need your drugs. I make stuff. I know, but you should have a Bible out of the fucking the Bible on the table. How many Mentally stable people, you know, keep Bibles on the table. That's the tell that you want to get in a hand. You want to take this guy to Value Town. <laughs> I am just, just absolutely swinging the value hammer on this guy's temple. Jesus, the temple. Is it a temple or is it church? Ah. <laughs> See what you did there? It's swinging in his church, too. <laughs> so I think, I think we can, um, talk a little bit about here um what we do so if i'm i'm flooring over this game and uh let's just say i have rapport with, uh blondie who's getting a little upset bipolar blonde which side of him do you have rapport with hopefully the the non-bipolar side maybe maybe i kind of appeal to both sides you know I was gonna say, little... you might have rapport with the regular side but this side he's in now i don't i don't think he knows you i don't think he cares right right but generally speaking, if we have rapport with the guest, we probably step in a little bit earlier, right? Because we know that maybe we know him a little bit better. Maybe we know how to divert their attention. So, you know, when he's like, if I know this guy and I hear him, you know, I'm bipolar and this and that. I'm like, hey, man, like, hey, just let's calm down. Everything's good. You know, something along those lines. If I don't have any experience with the guest, I've never talked to him. Then as soon as we hear something like way over the line or, you know, that's definitely the time there's you can't wait any longer at that point. That's a must step in. Yep. Gotta dive in there. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about that? This is one of the hardest spots in gaming for me when two guests are going at it because it's so hard to know how someone's gonna react. Do you step in between? Do you, hey guys, let's play nice. Hey guys, we're all adults here. How do you? What do you hit them? What kind of words do you hit them with that's not gonna send them over the edge? Right. It's very hard to be diplomatic. Sure. I would always try to focus on, you know, we're all here to have fun or we're all here. You know, what what does everybody come here for? And it kind of get them back to there. We're all here to gamble. We're all here to play some cards. 
something like that. Not, not that that's a guaranteed success, right? Full statement by any means, but try to remember what they're here for. Try not to talk down to them. You know, you hear a lot of for oh, hey guys, guys, you know, and like kind of yeah. that's not that's usually going to rile them up even more. So we try to just take them back to their baseline of what are we here to do? We're here to have fun and gamble. And I like to keep a very even voice and and quiet. I don't ever try to talk over them because when you get louder, they're in they're in I'm against the world mode when they're fighting. So if you get louder than them, they're gonna re get louder than you, and it's just a mess, right? So you just I just keep the volume quiet. I try to appeal to the rationalities that they may have, you know. Like you kind of right, like right. We also gotta like look at the other guests at the table and see how bothered they are by it. If it's you know people who seem to be real bothered by it, you know we gotta maybe come in sooner. If it's people who just who've you know lived the gaming experience and lived through this, and maybe they like this kind of stuff. I don't let it go too much longer, but maybe a little bit longer, right? And you know sometimes you're at a point where you have to literally put your body in between the two, and I think we're real close to that right here, right? Where I might have to come in between the uh, guy in center field and the Asian man like right when he you know maybe stand there so he literally can't see yeah, the other guy to block and that, kind of really like let him know like okay if I'm standing this close to you telling you to stop now you know you're like one step away from possibly being removed like I'm not actually th- f- telling him he's one step away from being removed from the casino but he's he might feel that that's the next step that's where I was going to go next take- when do you start your threats threatening the power that you have removal well usually usually it's i I always look at it as i'm trying to be a trying to be a delegate or trying to be a spokesperson first you know for like campaigning just to get this guy to settle down right and i feel like based off what he tells me or if he keeps going at it i don't really even maybe i'd threaten maybe i'd let him know that that's a possibility but you kind of know like it's either going to go one of two ways right like he's either just going to start settling down or i'm just going to have to call security right so it's kind of a thing where Maybe, maybe I give him one last chance, like, hey, man, if I don't have you, you know, calm down right now, I'm going to have to call security and we're going to have to, you know. Do you try to address both simultaneously? Or are you just like, guys, 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 guys? Well, it depends. I mean, in this case, um, you know, the one guy wasn't really over the line. He was a little obnoxious. The, the younger male was a little bit obnoxious, right? But he, well, I wouldn't say he's over the line. Um, you know, obviously, when we focusing more on him um if it hasn't gotten that 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 way over the line point it's just kind of straddling the line that's what i'm trying to focus maybe on both more so i think usually i haven't really thought about this before but now i'm thinking about the situation i think i usually try to detect which one is the most reasonable of the two people and then try to focus on the most reasonable one and get their attention sure directly onto me that's a great point kind of just be like hey hey like uh let's calm down like like I would use different words in different situations, but basically the gist is focus on me. Let's recalibrate. Let's, you know, remember why we're here. Like you said earlier, uh, just get him to stop engaging with the other person. Usually let the rowdier person try to gas themselves out while I'm distracting the, the reasonable guy so that it doesn't escalate into any physical violence. That's the, you know, my first, first move. No, that's, that's a great point. I think like me, if you don't, if you're not, fully in and you're not really you don't have you don't haven't cho- chose one guy to focus on yeah you're definitely more likely to focus on the guy who you know and again usually that'd be the guy with more rapport possibly or maybe the guy who's just generally more reasonable acting and um you know the guy who you know that you can just get him to remove himself whether it be walking away or just ending the actual interaction because like you said the other guy's gonna gas himself out and you know 
he's not gonna want to keep fighting if the if I can get one of the guys just to completely zip it. Exactly. You know. Yeah. If you're having a conversation with villain two, then villain one is just gonna be eventually he's talking to nobody, right? <laughs> you and villain right. two are having a discussion, and the other guy's just you know he's not getting any attention for for his you know crybaby scene. So. And uh, our goal is uh, to not kick anybody out to continue the game. You know, everybody continue their night. You really never want to remove a guy from the property unless you absolutely have to. You know, you want to resolve it by just... Do you ever let a threat go by? Like, if, if a guy's like, I'm going to be waiting for you in the parking lot. Is that a strict immediate call security? Like, there was a threat made? Do you try to let it slide by? You know, it just... It, most of the time we're gonna have to do it just depends on how he said it if he really like focused on the guy and said it to you know or if he's like i want you know if he's like just kind of mumbles under his breath like i want to knock that guy's lights out or something kind of silly like that i'm letting it go you know right if it's something more like he's like you know like or if he just kind of mumbles i want to meet that i hope i don't see that guy later or you know something just it's just blowing smoke i probably let it go right but if he's like truly directs it at him in a menacing manner you know i will see you in the parking lot next to your car 49Y3K like he knows the guy's license plate you're like all right all right all right this is this is too All right well that's not his license plate number that's the wrong license plate but also <laughs> you can't say that um yeah i don't know i feel like people have said stuff like that in passing and maybe they don't get kicked out you know it just kind of it's goofy because it's like you know, you can just tell sometimes people are just blowing smoke and you know at that point usually you're removing them from the game or yeah as a manager in the casino currently every time i've ever heard an an actual threat i i've called security because i can't risk a threat being made in my presence i don't act on it and then somehow they get in a fight later and then it it turns out when they're doing an investigation the other guests at the table were like yeah it's like phil was standing right there and the guy said he was going to meet him in the parking lot like then he meets him in the parking lot and stabs him you know so I basically have my hands cuffed as soon as as soon as he as soon as any threat is issued. No matter even kind of how silly it sounds, I, I just get the security over to do my due diligence, do my yeah do- document yeah document absolve yourself from and the company from responsibility, right? Because you never know if somebody's going to try to actually back that threat up with real violence. You never know. All right, let's play this. Well, you want to what else? I do whatever yep. I want. Because this is a free country. Come the I don't have to fucking calm down. I'm bipolar. I'm insane. <laughs> there we go. Here we go. I don't give a f. This is interesting branding. I don't give a f, man. I don't give a f. I to watch his mouth. I don't need to watch my mouth. I'm in that mood. I'm just playing. Why are you talking shit? I'm not playing. I'm not playing. I'm not playing. Dude, are you think I'm scared of you? I'll beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take it outside. Oh, there you go. He's taking it outside. Security. <laughs> You're gonna regret life, Jason. Do you remember who the f I am, Jason? You remember who the f I am, Jason? I don't know. I apologize, boss. I did not I will f your mom in front of you, Jason. You will not. Hey, ask who the f I am. Talk about my mom again, huh? That escalated quickly. I will torture your mom in front of you, Jason. What is this conversation? Because I spoke words? Yeah. You hurt my words? 
You're triggered again. You're triggered by words. You're willing to kill someone over words. Our producer getting involved now. I'm not afraid of you. This is the most off the rails it's ever gone here. I was born. Were you born in this country? I answer the f***ing question. You better not point at me. Where? Where are you born? You're gonna f***ing end up with a missing finger, right, bro. Guys, am I gonna kill the game? I'm gonna play some poker. Can you imagine coming into this situation at this point and being like, "Please just play your hands." <laughs> Like, sir, your actions on you, sir. <laughs> we're so, we're so, I will torture your mom in front of you and I will cut your limbs in the, yeah, he's like four times. He's four X on the, on the mother now the at this floor point. Comes I think he's, in. can you just, can, it's 25 to you, sir. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> what the hell? But that's how you know you're at a CD joint, you know, where they're just letting that stuff, Jeez. letting those stuff fly and just, uh, let's finish the handout guys. Let's keep this. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that is something wild. else. I love that. Yeah. That's so anybody who's watched this, that's not how you be a floor. If you're trying to be a floor supervisor, this is not the tutorial video for you. I'm, I'm getting out of here. You better calm the f down. Yeah. I don't fucking calm down. I'm fucking insane. You're insane? Yes. I show you insane. Oh. Hey, make sure he comes to my hotel room. I show him insane. Who the fuck are you talking to right now? He's pissing me off. He keeps talking shit about my mom. He's saying yeah. he's gonna my mom. No, he's I'm I will f***ing kill your mom. Bro, kill my mom. <laughs> and kill you. <laughs> I will torture you guys, not kill you. What the f***? How, how is this shit legal? You better know who the f*** is. freedom of speech and he's f***ing all upset. Okay, let's go to the chip counts here. Top of the chip counts, we got Austin. Jeez, man. What do you think about the floor? So the floor just kind of barked from the sideline and came to that guy. Like, are we? what are we, what are we thinking with this floor here? Like... Can he can he do it? Can he do it any worse? Can he yeah. can he be any less proactive? Yeah, this doesn't seem good as a, as far as the floor's execution here. I don't really. It's hard to to judge somebody though because maybe he doesn't have any experience. Maybe there's just some back alley poker game. I don't know the context of where these people are playing, but sure, it's just maybe he's not prepared for this kind. Of, he's never seen this kind of thing before. A lot of people haven't, so I can't really judge him too bad. But it doesn't seem like a good job by him. Just like you said, yelling from the sideline and. Uh, just you know, asking them to continue to play poker. You gotta, you gotta get one of them off the game at this point. Yeah, there's got to be somebody here. Even since we're talking about, we've letting it go way too long, right? I mean, it's been at least a minute and a half of pretty intense back and forth. Um, I don't know if they have a producer on the show. That's not an actual, you know, floor somebody, but somebody's got to be able to come in here. They've got to have some sort of security producer floor somebody, right? Like yeah. that's responsible for the safety of everybody here. Um. But yeah, it's definitely gone way too long, and this is just textbook way to not handle it uh, for any sort of gaming personnel. But like you said, yeah, it's a tough spot if that guy's just maybe he's just a poker room guy in a chair from a charity room or something like that, and he's just yeah. you know. If you're this player, if you're this player sitting in between these two, are, are you still sitting here like this guy is, or <laughs> have you? Oh no, I'm. Now? No, I've, I, I, might, I may not have racked up, but I'm definitely just like standing up. I'm not going to sit there between that. You know, I can't stand that yeah. when people are fighting over me like i'm at least just standing up and you know getting out of the way i don't think there's any i don't think he has cards i mean if he has a hand if he has a live hand then obviously he can't get up but uh, provided he's out of the hand yeah i'm stepping away and probably just watch it is fun to watch but i don't want to be between it like that yeah i'm also moving and it has nothing to do with thinking i'm gonna get involved or attacked it's just you know, I don't want to be between two people yelling in both of my ears. You know, it's like I just absolutely don't want to. Right, be all here. that hot, all that, <laughs> all that hot air being exchanged uh, 
between you is, yeah. or across from you is not pleasant. Yeah, the, this doesn't seem like it's really going to get physical, but then again, maybe it will. And you actually slightly increase the equity of the fight stopping if you get out of the way and they have to like there's no barrier between them you know you've seen the videos online mm, where the good point the two dogs are on either side of the fence and they're barking at each, at each other like crazy then the fence opens up and then they just stand there they're like oh shit you know there's nothing in between us now we actually right. have to you know get to it or or shut up so right that's a good point that's a great point get the hell out of the way and see if they continue i don't know all right yeah so what does he uh i wonder where this is gonna go they obviously fight you know, physically fight, I believe. That says says it here on Reddit. Yeah, that's what they say. I mean, but again, though, see, this is, you know, if the rumors are true that they did take it physical, I mean, this is what, this is why good flooring, good managers, good supervisors are there for, right? Because if they step in earlier, the first time a threat is made and they really separate them and they have some sort of security, right? Like if they're on top of this, it doesn't get to fight. It doesn't get to a fight, right? Or it's a lot. Or at least the chances drop dramatically that it gets to a fight, right? Yeah, we much don't want more likely. These guys, Unlikely. yeah, we don't want these guys, you know, fighting in your establishment. Now you're doing all sorts of reports and just a big mess, right? You got to ban people and a lot more paperwork, you know, as if you just do your job right. And we kind of were right on the money here with. Uh, we paused it and we talked before the threat was actually made that if there was a threat we would remove them the first time there was a threat and then sure enough as soon as the guy makes the threat that's when everything just exploded and it just got way way worse so, and it just they let it kept going too right you have four five six actual physical threats out there and then sure enough it actually the guys take it all the way right it's just that's why you gotta be on top of this stuff and uh run your joint uh the right way i like it man so let's pop open our next story we have you can see this, uh, whatever this is. Yep. What would you do? Yeah. All right. Let's play Something this. Cool. Oh, yes. I love this hand. Oh, you've Sorry. seen this? <laughs> I, I think. I think. Maybe not. There was a similar. Yeah. Hey, guys. This is future Phil in the editing room. We weren't able to get the video, so I'm going to briefly describe what happens. High stakes player Chance Cornuth is playing in the WSOP main event kind of late in the tournament. He is tanking during decision right as dinner break is called, and then another player that's not in the hand with him calls the clock, the floor comes over, awards the clock call to the person who's not in the hand, gives Corneth a brief moment to take his time and make a decision. Corneth eventually tanks and calls right as clock is about to expire, loses the hand, slams his chips on the table, and then as he's getting up from the game, he points at the guy who called the clock on him and says, That was a very childish, man. You only did that because I beat you in a pot earlier. I'm going to slow roll you next time. I'm going to slow roll you. That's very childish. And Chance gets up and leaves the room. <laughs> I can't get enough so of that. The, the, the first thing we got to go, I mean, there's lots to go over, lots of angles to this, but... Uh, the first thing, I mean, since we are more of an admit, you know, focus on the administration of these games is, so the dealer has to determine if it's been even close, you know, then we call the floor, right? And then we explain to him how long it's been. And then the floor says, yes, you know, clock, you have one minute to act. Or he says, no. So I just don't understand how clock was granted here. 
Well, I, yeah, the letter of the law, I guess, would be any player who was dealt into a hand can call clock after at least a minute has gone by. That's just ge the general rule. Some houses may have it slightly longer. Some houses may have it. You must be a part of the hand with cards remaining. But yeah, it seems like here they're just going to rule it. The guy was dealt into the hand. He has the right to call clock after a minute has transpired. So the floor just came up and... If you're flooring this game, are you, with these specific circumstances of not even so much whether the guy's in the hand or not, that doesn't matter too much to me, um, but the fact that they are on dinner break and the fact that, well, I guess it does matter because he's not in the hand and the action length doesn't affect him, right? And the fact that they're going on dinner break and the fact that there's, it's a big pot. Yeah, I think the fact that he doesn't have cards is the entire point of this this hand, the entire dynamic talking point here if he had cards i don't think there would be anything to discuss the fact that he doesn't have cards though makes it where i think if i was flooring i would go against the letter of the law and i wouldn't grant clock here unless i made eye contact with the guy who also is in the hand and he's indicating that he also is trying to call clock then i would let uh, clock be called but so you know we consider it then but like the guy is not in the hand um you know it's not affecting him in any way I'm immediately sensing, you know, what's going on, that he's doing this as, like, a retaliatory thing against another player, and I'm not granting it. Um, it's just no way I'm granting this. Um, also, as the dealer, right, like, maybe if, 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 if you're a good enough dealer, it doesn't even get past the dealer, the dealer never even calls the floor over. I think the dealer needs to call the floor if, if uh, two minutes has gone by. I think he just needs to call the clock like he's supposed to and let the floor handle the uh, deviation from the rule if they wish to do so. Sure, that's fair. Yeah, um, yeah. Let it let the let the floor wear the decision and not the dealer. Take some heat off the dealer if there is any ensuing heat after whatever decision is made. Yeah, I think maybe maybe you're right there. I have kind of a different angle I want to I want to think about here because we can play. You know, we should we should look at both sides of this completely. Um, the player who did call clock, I guess he has the right. He was dealt into the hand. He has the right to see. The whole cards he has the right to see the conclusion of the hand and he also has the right to his dinner break right so maybe it actually makes some sense for him in an obscure way to be like hey like i you know i paid the blinds i paid the right to see the conclusion of every hand i get to see these cards i need this hand to be finished in a timely manner so that i can go take my break that i'm also entitled to so yeah, there's a little something there. It might be a little bit of a stretch, but, you know, he might have, it's not enough to grant the clock, but yeah, you do have, I, I would say, if in fact that was why the guy did it, there is some validity to that notion. Still not enough to um, sway me into ruling a clock, calling a clock on the player, especially in that big of a hand with that many big blinds. I think as a floor, you know, you look at how big the pot is too, and you know, if, if it's what's going on, you know, and those types of things oh, kind of sure. make make a difference. And, you know, I'm just never going to, you know, guy basically playing for his tournament life or probably pretty close to it anyway. And, you know, not going to, not going to make him, uh, not going to call not going to grant clock in this spot. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not granting clock here. 158 big blinds. Um, I'm letting the guy take as long into dinner break as he would like until the other person in the hand looks at me and indicates he wants it to be over yeah i think the only obviously the you know heads up spot like this 
maybe I'd say once we get to the three, four, five minute mark, four or five minute mark, maybe. Um, and if the other player, you know, the young man who was holding the flush grant, you know, request clock, then I'm probably granting it. Other than that, though, yeah, no way for anybody not involved in the hand at that point. Another angle I want to look at here. Um, do you ever consider issuing a warning to the guy who called the clock? Because you said earlier, you you it's pretty clear it was retaliate retaliatory so are you like issuing him some sort of warning like uh sir you can't be interrupting hands when they're in play or like is there anything there maybe not a formal warning maybe might say something to him but i might also just memory bank that guy knowing that he's that goes into my memory bank for if i make future decisions involving that guy yeah you know what i mean definitely go into the memory bank um maybe i just maybe i just inquire a little bit just see what he says like um yeah, I noticed you weren't in the hand and uh, we're on dinner break. Uh, why'd you call? Cl- what made you call clock? You know, there's nothing stopping me from asking him. Just, just yeah, that's a good point. See, I like that. Seeing his, uh, seeing what he says, and then I can make you know memory bank whatever his response is to. Um, because it's it's nice, you know, when you're making floor calls, it's always nice having a little background on players, you know, so you can kind of make the best and most accurate call to the spirit of the game, and you know that you can. No, yeah, totally. I was trying to think if uh, if remembering past situations from players actually harms your integrity of decision making in the future. Like, I, I I'm wondering if coming into a situation completely fresh on every player is the best way to do things, because then you're just going to make an objective ruling with what you hear about that situation. If you come in with preconceived notions of, well, this is that guy who called the clock on this dude earlier in the tournament. I'm gonna you already feel some type of way about him it might skew your decision a little bit what do you what do you think potentially you know human error can always be you know a part of it or you know preconceived notions of the guy obviously we want to be you know sticking close to the letter of the law as we can in certain most spots right yeah this is more of a thing i'm memory banking for maybe let's just say he gets in a little spat with a player or you know, something along the lines that I'm not necessarily making a ruling for. I just kind of know who I'm dealing with and know might not necessarily be specifically apply that information towards a ruling. Because obviously if he cites a, a rule and needs a ruling made and I'm not going to like go against him because he's a little bit of a troublemaker if he's objectively right or if he's objectively correct. Cool. I like that we both agreed on that one. Um, not calling the clock. Screw that guy. Let's let's real quick look at it from the eyes of the player, right? If you um, have it out for this guy, right? Which obviously he clearly did, right? Like uh, if you have it out for this Chance Cornuth guy, um, this is a top tier troll. I mean, this is oh, like this is great. This is so great. This is this is up there. I mean, with one of the best. Uh, I don't know if you want to. You wouldn't really call it an angle. I don't know what you did exactly classify this as, but it, some sort of a tro- one of the best trolls I've ever seen. I yeah. mean, this is like har- hardcore that it actually worked too. You know, because I would I would expect if I was this you know calling the clock here, I would expect the floor to be on to me, right? Yeah, and not granted, just like we talked about, right? I'd, and then it, either way, it's still a needle, right? I'm still needling the guy, and I'm still in his head, like yep. that. You know, MF or called the clock on me. You know, it didn't work, but it's still gonna. Get into his head, but the fact that this worked, I mean, man, this is like top tier stuff. It worked on every level, man. The floor, he 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 needles him by calling the clock. The dealer then calls the floor, so he gets he gets through the first stage. The floor grants the clock, so it blasts him again. So he gets another needle in. Corneth 
makes the call and then loses 500k <laughs> so just annihilates him again and then Corneth breaks character and breaks his silence and insults him on the way out the door and you always know if you're a, if you're a troll if you can get the person to insult you you've you've won you know you did what you needed yeah. to do he lit- you're right. He literally, as far as from a troll's point of view, he won every step of the way. He I mean, the he just like swept it. He swept this guy like just to straight swept him and got the reaction, <laughs> got everything he wanted. Right? I mean, who knows? A good day if, for him. Does does Cornerth make the laydown? You know, if he's like thinking straight and there's yeah, maybe. you know no no like maybe he makes the laydown. I don't know. I don't think they know what he had, but um you know it's probably had a you know at least top pair, top top maybe two pair. Who knows? Um, but, uh, yeah, maybe he finds the fold if he's thinking straight and he's, Jeez. you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a big spot, man. It's a big spot. It's, it's crazy that it worked, man. I mean, so I guess sometimes trolls win, right? You love to see it though. I love to see it. Yeah. Some top tier trolling for sure. Beautiful stuff. That was a great angle, man. Good, good catch. Thanks. Thanks. I was thinking about, I thought you were going to go into Corneth's point of view, like from his point of view. Oh, that too, though. Yeah, that too a little bit, right? I mean, if you're Cornuth, why react? Why do any of that, right? Like, it's all over. I mean, I get it. It's a big high leverage spot and you lost. I'm guessing he was probably calling regardless. I don't think he's finding the fold there just with how it played out, right? Well, I think he's a good enough player that he's not going to let. I might be wrong because he did end up steaming and and slamming his chips down. I was going to say, I don't think he, I think he's a good enough player, big enough player that this kind of thing shouldn't affect him. Sure, having the break and the time to pass, it's more than enough time to get back on your level. And well, even in the hand at, at at play here, like I don't, I don't think it would have fucked with his decision making at all. I think he's just gonna ah, gotcha. You know, he's he's. I think this guy plays really high limit stuff, right, Corneth? Yeah, I've heard the name before. I've, I it seems like I've heard him more associated with some you know higher uh, higher buy in tournaments, yeah. stuff like that. So this, I mean, one pot in the main event is significant, but it's not like. It's not like in, they're on the final table or something. Like he's he, his equity in this tournament is probably well, I don't know what they're at, but it might be around like 90k. His equity right now. I mean, he, he he's not really concerned with that, so I'm not sure. Right. It'd be fun to know what he had too. You know, see be able to see the board and know what he had. It's he always heroed with like third pair, and uh, just to just to try to get the needler back. Like, look, you can't mess with me. I right. Like, look, I won with yeah, right. And then <laughs> he, he just, just lose 500k. Just just bottomed out his ra- calling range just to make a point to the needler <laughs> and then failed miserably. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that's funny. He took a that's chance. Kidding. He took a chance. One might say <laughs> he took a chance. All right. Uh, I had another one, but uh, I can't really pull it up for some reason. Um. Tell me if you can see this. I had a crooked dealer once. So I was playing blackjack and um, I was with a bunch of friends and I'd have like a 16 against a six. Yeah. So you're not supposed to hit. And she'd be like, it's a five. You should take it. Oh, yeah. And I'd be like, I'm not taking a hit with 16. You got a six. You crazy? Double and down. she'd be like, if I were you, I'd take it. And I'm like, who taught you? Obviously, you work for the casino. I'm like, I'm not an idiot. She'd flip over 16 and it would be fine. She's like, told you. So I was like, well, you guessed, right? Okay, you know, but she did this all night long. And then when she went on a break, I followed her. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? What is going on? And she's like, 
I was like, she goes, I'm like Robin Hood. I steal from the rich and I give it to the poor. Yeah. She goes, you don't have to give me anything. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to split this way. She's like, no, don't yeah. worry about it. It's all good. Good. She, I said, okay, well, do this. You're too fucking obvious. You're going to get, we're both going to get fucking arrested. <laughs> I'm like, just bite your lip if I should take the car. Just kind of like, just do this. Yeah, so all right. <laughs> fucking like, like 16 or 17 grand that night. Okay. Oh and I don't know if it's still like this, but there's $10 chips. There, we don't have those here in Vegas. No, okay. Yeah. okay, you guys have ten dollars chips, anymore. and they're the same, almost the same color as the hundred dollars chips. Hundred dollars chips here are black. Yeah, they are out there. They're like this bronze beige, yeah. Cut, right? Yeah, black one. And, and, so and, at that casino. Okay, and so is the ten dollars chip. <laughs> so I would put a hundred on top and put two or three ten dollars chips on the bottom, and she would just pay it. Like it was blues, and she would just oh. pay it. I had a Jesus. All right, what do we got here? Well, the first part of the story seems fake, honestly, like he's just uh, popping off for the podcast. But assuming it is real, I mean, I don't know how a blackjack dealer is going to know what's coming without doing something very detectable by the floor. Right. If she's peeking at a card or whatever she's doing. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's some sort of like game somewhere like where it's got an electric shoe and it can you know detect what the card is coming out that's like you know like online gambling and stuff has but i don't think they have that at any live joints where you could just play on the table like that i've seen some funky shoes where uh it will actually show the next card coming out of the shoe you can like look at the top it's hard to explain over audio but they can see with like a mirror the next card that's going to come out of the shoe they can like look at the top of the shoe and there's like a see-through part of it like a mirror down in there and you can actually see what what the next card is coming that obviously wouldn't be installed in a casino but there are shoes there are shoes designed to to show you the next card so if you're playing blackjack in a home game just don't play blackjack in a home game because right (laughs) because you know they can they, they can see what's coming and there's ways that you can pull there's ways that you can pull a card out of a shoe and intentionally pull the the second card, not the top card. So sure. if you're playing in a house casino game, they have this special shoe where they can see the next card coming. If they're going to see you're going to make a hand, they'll just push that first card back, pull the second one out, and you would never know that they made a switch on you. So Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Kind of dealing from the middle, kind of. <laughs> yeah, dealing from the middle. So to speak. <laughs> exactly. Um what do you think about that first part? Do you think there's any chance that's real? Was it just the dealer trolling him? Is he making up that story? Like, or is maybe he playing at a home game or something like that? Or some sort of a, like that couldn't have happened at a real casino. Yeah. Do you think? This whole thing seems like giant BS to me. I'm not really sure. I'm not buying it. I don't, I've never heard of anything like this where a dealer can see the next card other than the situation I just explained, which we're going to exclude. We're just going to assume this was at a casino. I would say I call BS on this story and not only that at the end he talks so at first it goes you're like taking a shot against the casino by a dealer maybe giving you a, <laughs> a couple tips and then it just devolves at the end to i was it's stealing black fraud. chips i was just shoot i was just betting 120 and they were paying me 300 every hand and i was just taking it intentionally the whole time like what, yeah, he, what are we he, doing he escalates it like right into like felony fraud right like <laughs> like just jumping up like nine crimes and uh going right to the big league of uh you know 10 plus years in like federal prison for something like, like that you know um, like, like that's that's a two wildly different things right like the uh, next tiktok is just gonna be yeah there was no one at the table so i just reached in and took all the chips and then went home with them it's like uh, okay 
you know it's, it's like, one thing if like you know if, if let's just say let's just put myself in the shoes right like for the first story let's just say i'm playing blackjack and the dealer tells me to do something wild and maybe i just do it and, and she's right you know like hit a 15 into a six or whatever right and it works you know i'm i'm my first thing is right? and she's just trolling me and she got lucky right happens again you know still thinking the same thing there's gonna be no point you know if it if it you know by the third or fourth time even if she's right i'm probably just gonna stop doing it and be like this is kind of weird like you're gonna stop trusting it. you know what i would do i would assume let's assume we think that she's guessing as the player we're sitting there playing she's like a five is coming you should hit this 16 you think she's just screwing with you and then you hit it because yolo whatever you're just gambling you're having fun and then it's a five right so you win then the next time you trust her again you still think she's joking you just you win again i think i could convince myself that she's just joking around she's just screwing around and we're just getting very very lucky and i'm just following this on a whim i'm just like whatever i'll just ride this train i'm gambling i don't give a hell right now i'm just we're just gonna we're just gonna see where this takes us i could see letting that go on a long time and just thinking that i'm getting very lucky yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I just use the example of four or five hands of like, because that's like where it starts to get pretty statistically unlikely that I'm just going to keep, you know, making the wrong decision that many times and be right on a whim. I mean, maybe I would, like you said, you sure. know, just kind of going along with it. But like um, at some point, like, I don't know, like if for some reason she is somehow, I don't know, doing something uh, elite, you know, somehow is cheating for me. Like, I don't even see how that would even happen or be possible. But I would just think, okay, the the risk of me ever being involved with this is now too high. Does that make sense? Like, I'm yeah. just like, I'm probably going to stop playing. You know what I mean? Like, just because I'm not trying to go down with her if she is involved in something nefarious, right? I mean, I don't know. Like, there comes a point if it happens too many times in a row, it just kind of gets too un- statistically unpro- improbable. And I'm just like, okay, I'm done with her, you know? Yeah, it gets a little strange. I also just thought of something that she could have been doing. Um she could be marking so she assuming she's got nails when she every every time she picks up a five off the felt she could be crimping it in the middle of the card with her finger sure yeah corners too corners uh yeah well yeah. i would say mostly the middle because when you're pulling a card out of a shoe you're the shoe is going to be blocked off you're only going to be able to touch the middle of it so maybe she's crimping the middle of every five. Well, when she's dis, yeah, or like like four fives and sixes. Well, yeah, or maybe fours and fives. Yeah, fours and fives. Sixes fours and fives. Yeah, and um, yeah, crimping. Yeah, right. Um, putting them in the discard wrap, turning them back over, putting it whatever. Right. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you just you got a fingernail crimp in the middle of every five and every four in the on all of them, and then whenever it comes back through in the shoe, and the next time you use those cards, you're gonna be able to feel that crimp right there in the middle of the card you're like oh shit this is one sure. of the fours or fives so yep yep maybe that's something we figured it out that's probably what she was doing yeah i mean theoretically too right like if we do say corners if you kind of use your thumb and your middle finger and like this would be really obvious and you would have to have a really poor floor or a poor surveillance team um but if you did kind of like you know use your thumb and index finger as you were kind of sweeping the cards face down you could you could pin both corners too so the you know either visible corner you know what i mean yep. depending on which orientation they would come back out the shoe would be marked for a different value right uh you know tens and aces let's just say or you know super um, interesting 
Yeah, that would be tough to do though, right? I mean, like, the reason you don't hear about stuff like that too often is because you'd have to just take a lot of time to do that, right? The middle would be easier. I think you're... Um, and less detectable. Yeah, I think if you just pin the middle of all the fours and fives, you're going to have a you're gonna have a massive edge, man. If you knew every, is right. the dealer knew every four or five, you just always make a hand, right? Well, because yeah. you could you could make twelves and thirteens get to, or you know, or thirteens and fourteens anyway, to seventeen and fifteen, or seventeen and eighteen, excuse me, you know, and just have a made hand, have more pushes. Yeah. And not only do you know the fours and fives, you know, you know that they're not fours and fives when you touch it and it's not there. So, so I mean, that seems quite obvious, but sometimes people don't think of that. So, you know, it's way more likely to be a 10. Well, she could also know too, um, the dealer down card, right? So if yeah. the dealer's showing a 10 and it's a four or a five underneath, right now we're staying in all our 12s, right? We're staying on 12 versus 10 or whatever, right? Jeez, man. Yeah, you could. That's... You would destroy a game with this, with this information. Yeah, so maybe the dealer was just doing that on her own whim and an absolute criminal <laughs> you know, just, just like a psycho there are people who just do it you know robin hood style like she said it's so maybe there's some equity to this guy's story uh i wouldn't have i didn't see it at first but i mean it is possible now uh we've determined I, yeah i think mm, i mean i might be on the side of more likely believing this now now that i found a viable way that it that it could have been done sure yeah i mean this this would pretty much have to be how it went i mean more or less you know maybe a very vari variation to this but yeah i mean random dealer maybe she keeps her own tips right and she's just trying and she has a ter maybe she has terrible floors that are never watching her maybe she's like got some weird pit set up where no one's ever watching her game and she's just doing this wild stuff right yeah i mean some some houses are so busy or super busy right like, six well, tables yeah, in, a, in like, a section for you know a floor or something stupid and no one's ever checking the cards no one's ever doing any of their due diligence they're just letting the dealers do whatever the hell they want yeah I could see, I could see a board dealer, you know, figuring this out over a course of a couple of years dealing, be like, a, whatever. Yeah, YOLO and floors aren't good enough to detect it. Surveillance is too thin or whatever. And interesting, well, something to look for, right? As your uh, floors out there, something to look for if your uh, dealer has nails or uh, you know too long of nails, or you see them handling the center or corners of the card in a weird way once they're right before they're discarding them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go into work tonight and check every single one of the shoes. Be like, all right, is there crimps on these fives? <laughs> I'm looking at all the female dealers with my eyes squinted like, which one are you in here? Right. <laughs> yeah, I like it. All right, let's jump into procedure of the week. Procedure of the week. Today we're going to talk about hitting the back wall in dice. Why it's important and what are we doing here? Uh, Phil, why do we have to hit the back wall as a shooter? Um, I like to throw it in a certain way where it might not hit the back wall and I make my numbers more. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's not. It's going to depend on the crew at your craps table, how they want to enforce this. The general house protection idea is that the back wall has these uh, foam diamond ridges on it, I'll call them. I don't really know what they're called, but... That's generally the idea. And then when the dice hit them, it makes them bounce in all sorts of random directions that truly randomizes the dice. If you don't get the dice to the back wall and you just throw them off the off the ground, sometimes they don't bounce randomly enough to get a true 100% random event. And the casino needs a true random event on every roll to ensure that their house edge is what's driving the game instead of some sort of dice setter 
specifically throwing the dice in a way that is not going to be completely random. What about you? Yeah, just to add on to what you're saying, they got to tumble on many on enough times to produce a random result, like you said. You know, they hit the back wall, and they hit those little pointy things, which the name also escapes me. <laughs> I can't think of what they're called. Yeah, I can't. And they have a name, and they have a specific name. They're like eggshell. They're like those foam eggshell things. I don't know what the hell, you know. Yeah, they're yeah they hit those, and it and it you know topples the dice. I mean, basically the one of the classic ways to uh, shooter can scam a game is dice sliding. You know, the shooter can come in. Somebody, either the shooter or somebody the shooter's working with, causes a little diversion or a little chaos, a little commotion, right? Yep. And while they have the dice, and then they just set it on a hard six or whatever, and they just kind of slide it hopefully long enough to where it looks like a roll and the commotion caused the crew to get distracted and hopefully the boxman doesn't call no roll somewhere between a true random roll and a slide is if you kind of maybe could just throw them very low to the pit uh, to the felt and have them land in such a way where they don't tumble enough and you might theoretically be able to hit a certain set of numbers more often Possibly. Well, yeah, if you imagine you get the dice rolling in one dimension, like they're only rolling end over end over end, and they're not going left to right, then you're eliminating the possibility that the dice lands face up on either one of those outside edges that it's not tumbling over, and that's going to help reduce some of the combinations of sevens. So the back wall is to get those dice to spray in left to right direction as well as tumbling up and down. That gets all the edges of the dice in play. Exactly, yeah. You tumble them enough, basically, and it's there's no way you can expect to stay in any sort of uh, pattern or avoid sevens if they're tumbling enough, and especially tumbling in multiple directions, not just end over end. You know, corner over corner, I guess, would be the way we'd, we'd probably say it. Yeah. So when you're, if you ever get yelled at for that, usually they're just trying to ensure the integrity of the game, make sure that uh, it's fair for everybody, because you got people betting on both sides lots of times, right? So if you could be cheating on another player theoretically if yeah. you aren't making a truly you know creating a truly random event so that's totally it have you seen the the dice setters at your table where they they take you know 40 seconds to square up the six and the six in a perfect pattern <laughs> they they hold it very carefully with their two thumbs and they give it one nice back you know back wrist flip and it tumbles one time backwards and then stops completely flat you know those guys really got it figured out but <laughs> when you when you make them hit the back wall, then they're, all of their procedures are pretty much null and void. It's funny if you ever see the the gentle, one of those dice-setting gentlemen where they you know set it for 40 seconds and then they have a really substantial throw where it like goes nice and high and it just like blasts off the back wall. And it's just funny that they still decide to set it even though they're oh, yeah. certainly producing a random result with the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the speed and strength of their throw. I always thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I never understood it, man, but uh, everyone's got their quirks, everyone's got their fun stuff. I got a lot of little weird quirks that I do that do absolutely nothing, but, you know, it just makes my time there a little bit more enjoyable, so we'll let them live, you know? Yeah, let them live, let them live. I like when a new guest shows up who clearly isn't dice setting, they're, they're taking the dice in their hands and they're shaking them up, they're racketing around, they're making a bunch of noise, and then they roll them and then they, they don't get to the back wall. But some overzealous floors will still yell at that guest. You have to hit the back wall. Like, throw. They have to hit the back wall, or we're calling no roll on you. I was never that guy. I just, if they're shaking the dice all around and I see them tumbling in multiple dimensions, 
and then roll them. They're bouncing off chips. They don't make it to the back wall. It's still a random event. Like, you can tell the difference between, you know, a dice setter who's trying to get an edge on you and some drunk new player who doesn't know what they're doing. You don't have to yell at both of them. Yeah, and that's why it's important as a uh, as a boxman or a floorman to not only know the procedures, right, but understand the procedures, right? Like, those procedures aren't there for the newbie who's still giving it a good throw, like you said, multiple tumblings, um, and then they, they're barking at them, and then now they're, you know, the new player's experience isn't uh, yep. the best experience they could have had, right? So it's like, if they understand, you know, why we have these settings, and if they, you know, stop an inch short of the back wall that we don't need to blast them, uh, versus the guy who's sliding it or throwing it very low or very soft from like right next to next to Dick. There's just a huge difference in those two spots, and you got to know that as a boxman. You got to have uh, nuance. It's always about nuance in almost every situation in life. You just you know, n- you know the why, and then it helps you execute a little better, a little better. We're all about the nuance. We uh, basically created a whole podcast because of the nuance. <laughs> I got one for you. It's super awkward, and it happens basically every time. A new person shows up. They throw the dice. It doesn't make it to the back wall. You say, can you throw those a little harder? They got to hit the back wall. And then they throw them with a force of a thousand suns off the back wall. They bounce every direction. They fly off the game. (laughs) And then you then got to tell them, okay, now you got to throw it a little less hard. (laughs) You know, so you're basically yeah they're throwing it and it's knocking uh, base dealers checks over stacks over and it's like (laughs) it's like it's like possibly gonna shoot your eye out like uh the christmas story it's dangerous (laughs) so yeah you're like okay that's not what i meant but you know that's that's why it you know it matters to have good rapport with your guests right because if you're just barking at people and you don't really build rapport and you're not you know you know they're they're gonna be less likely to want to follow those types of procedures right if we're building rapport and we have a good attitude we we stand out in a good way and they're gonna they're more likely gonna want to do the right thing for you and not get into those situations where they're mocking you by throwing 100 mile an hour fastballs (laughs) across the table (laughs) so that's it for procedure of the week next going into some uh, gaming news I love gaming news let's check this out (laughs) is it time for the news as far as I'm concerned man the biggest news is that the NFL is back sports betting man let's go let's go 11 days till the start of the regular season Uh, I'm pumped so what do you uh, what pick did you get? Are you getting Saquon Barkley number one overall? Saquon one number one overall? No, um, I'm very happy with my uh, my draft. Um, I picked tenth of out of ten, of course. Because why wouldn't 10. I pick? Yeah, why wouldn't I pick last, right? <laughs> and um, we ended up with Nick Chubb, fell, the Chubb? fell to ten, the Chubster. Yep. Who did I pick for my second? I'm trying to remember now. Oh, uh, Mr. Uh, Garrett Wilson. No, you did not. Oh, yeah. We went We went Garrett Wilson, first pick of the second round. Yeah, he's... For all the listeners out there, this guy's been a Rodgers fan for the last 15 years, so he just <laughs> couldn't help taking Rodgers' number one guy. Wow. Reach. Yeah, not not a Rodgers fan. I'm a fan of him now that he's, uh, you know, he's an enemy of the pack, you know, so now I'm definitely a, a big <laughs> fan of him now. But, uh, no, Garrett Wilson's about to... Uh, wide receiver three on the year. I'm saying uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, somebody else, and then uh, he's going to be the third best receiver in uh, football, fantasy football this year. I'm calling is that, it. Is that hot take bet eligible? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let, tell the listeners what our hot take bet is. So, yeah, this is a good uh, thing for any friend groups out there who have a, 
people that are prone to hot takes. So a hot take bet is anytime somebody makes a bold proclamation that is very unlikely to happen, say Garrett Wilson, third best receiver overall, uh, Phil can book that bet and then it becomes an even money bet essentially, right? Yeah. If I'm going to predict that, I have to be able to put a hot $5 bill on it as you know stand behind my words basically stand behind my breath so then it what it this ended up doing is less hot takes you know you try to it just keeps you accountable be more for, accurate keeps you, you yeah, know, keeps you accountable for you sure can't just you can't just be saying all kinds of crazy nonsense man you gotta you gotta keep it within the realm i am square in the crazy nonsense realm of fantasy football that's where i live so <laughs> helps bring me down a, a notch or two you know but uh, since it, I think Phil will give me a pass on that one, since uh, you know, yeah, you get a pass. Fantasy football is just restarting, you know, so you get a couple of you know hot take flyers until uh, you know we get a little <laughs> more into the swing of things and know where to settle down a little bit, you know. So I want to. What was our first? I, I feel like we were arguing about something about Kevin Durant, and I was just I just had enough of your hot takes, and I'm like, we need to <laughs> we need to make a, a fail safe here where if you say something too crazy, I can just make you bet it. I can just make it have to be a thing. So probably something with basketball. Um, yeah. And it's a great, it's a great system because I mean, I do like hot taking is fun, right? Like everybody loves, you know, watching Skip Bayless just spout off some random nonsense. Right. So it's right. like, well, I can, I can make some nonsense too. You know, I can make a nonsensical prediction myself. And do you think you're, uh, are you up or down on, a, on, on our hot take adventures? Uh, I feel like I started off really bad. Like I was down and then I feel like I, I maybe tried to like, AP it and like try to like bait you into some hot take bets that weren't really hot take bets to me. So then maybe I kind of came back close to even, but probably still down a, a couple units. You're just like, I think LeBron is good at basketball. Yeah, you want to <laughs> bet that, Phil? Like that's a hot take. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. come on in. Um, yeah, no, I love the hot take. Yeah, I think I did run run you over a bit at the beginning because as we said, you're you're a hyperbole machine. So you know. You were getting wild with it, but then you reeled it back. You reeled it, you reeled it back. So yeah, got a, got a couple past you there, you know, because <laughs> you're just figuring some of my takes. You know, must have been hot takes, and you know, got a little little something back. Yeah, so you guys should try, uh, you know, set up the hot take bet with your friend. You just make it where anything the other person says, you can then say hot take bet, and you guys have an even money five dollar wager on that bet. That if you can prove that the other person was wrong, or in the future it becomes proven wrong, then then you win the bet. It's a nice little, it's small money, it doesn't matter, but it's just nice to rib your friends. Yeah, keep everybody in check, right? Keep everybody responsible for their uh, for their hot takes, not to spout off nonsense all the time, like me. <laughs> yeah, Garrett Wilson, you get a pass. You get a pass with that. So how'd the rest of your team, how did the draft go? We, we ended up with our boy that got us to the finals last year. We... Took Justin Fields in the fourth round, maybe a little early. Oh, okay. But but I don't know. He gets he's like two players in one, so I don't feel too bad about uh yeah. taking him high. He gets you lots of he's a good running back and, and a shitty quarterback. You nailed him. Well, he's he's still young, so he's getting better as a passer, I feel like. We ended up with Keenan Allen. We got him kind of late, so he's my WR2. Oh. Um not not super stoked with that, being that he's getting a little bit older and maybe a little more injury prone, but he's been a pretty steady producer. In the wide receiver department, so it's not the worst WR2. I like that, man. It sounds okay. Got the uh, Lions rookie, Jameer Gibbs, as our RB2. A little risky, but he's got a high ceiling. They're trying to get some high ceiling guys mixed in there. I'm wondering if 
our listeners want to know the sixth pick of MJ's fantasy football <laughs> draft. <laughs> Maybe not. But yeah, the top four. You're looking really good. Looking real good. Can't wait to uh can't wait to play some fantasy this year. Alright, so what else do we got for news here? Yeah, speaking of uh sports betting, we got a guy who hasn't played many games over the last uh two years, Kelvin Ridley, wide receiver, nah, formerly of Atlanta, now Didn't playing he get suspended for Jacksonville. For- playing for like betting on games or something yeah he was he was out for almost a full year due to injury and then uh, the next off season when he was trying to make a comeback he got suspended for betting on games i believe i don't even know if he was betting on his own games or if the nfl's just being strict with no betting on any games but uh, he's essentially been out for two years do you think players should be able to bet on games i think it's kind of ridiculous i mean if, if the nfl's going to bring in sports betting to the forefront the way they have over the last few years. I would say there should be sort of some sort of a client that they're allowed to place bets through that's like maybe somehow sanctioned through the league, but they can't obviously wager on their own games. But I don't see what's wrong with a guy betting an over on a out-of-conference game. Like, who cares? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me that there's such a strict punishment for these guys not even betting on the outcome of their own games, you know? What well, do you, I'm wondering what do you think? if it's like they they're all friends in the league right it's like a brotherhood everybody knows everybody they're all um intimately linked they all you know they've played on teams with these people for you know five ten ten years then they go to different teams so i don't really know the distinction between you can't bet on your own game they obviously know people on the other teams so they can just be working with the person on the other team to tank that game you know, and then well, they could do they could do that just the same way with people who aren't aren't football players, right? Family members, friends. You know, if they really wanted to throw a game, right? Right. Can family members bet on games? Probably not, right? Ever heard anything that they couldn't? But uh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, it might be a friends and you know friend or family not eligible. But uh, I feel like if a player, I I don't think there's a lot of players. I mean, in an industry where they pay you know pretty much a million dollars a year, even though the careers are short, I don't think there's a lot of football players trying to throw games out there just wouldn't seem to be the best sport to try to throw right when you got you know 21 other guys on the team you know right right yeah like i don't know if that's where you're going but you don't want to be playing like shit and lose your spot right is that what you're getting at you don't want to play you don't want to throw a game play bad and get replaced by the guy behind you that's what i'm thinking of when you say that yeah for one um you're not going to have much impact if you're you know not the quarterback and if you're trying to play bad and two like if you end up losing your job and you're out of the NFL, like you've there's no way you could ever make that back through, you know, missing a couple wide open passes or something, you know, and trying to tank a game. Right. And here's a, here's an interesting thing. I mean, maybe I, I haven't thought this through um, entirely, but one t- one take I always had was you can't bet against your own team, right? But why wouldn't you be able to bet on your team winning, right? Because like that's the idea is to win. Yeah. Right. Like I can't. What? What can you say? I I ran up the score to cover the spread. Like that wouldn't be a bad thing, right? So it's like, why can't you bet on your team winning? Like that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there, and it, it makes sense that you said you haven't thought it fully through because I also have that same feeling, and I haven't thought it through at all. So I mean, we're both probably missing something, or you know, whatever. We just haven't thought it through. So there may be some sort of angle where if you bet on yourself to win, it, it causes some sort of conflict of interest. I can't see how. Any- Anybody listening, uh, let us know if is there a reason that they wouldn't be allowed to 
uh, bet on their team. We know why they wouldn't want to bet against their own team, right? Because they could throw the game uh, and impact the game that way. But uh, is there anything we're missing? Uh, let us know. Podcast at 21tango.com. Sports betting has recently come into casinos. Do you know how big was that where you were at? Did it just start popping off? Yeah, so my particular state hasn't caught on quite like some of the other states. Um, we're still a little bit behind. No online gambling and very limited uh, casino sports betting. Some of the states surrounding me, though, are pretty uh, progressive and pretty uh, with the times and allowing uh, lots of online wagering and uh, have lots of sports book attached to a lot of casinos. What about you, Phil, around where you're at? You seen a lot of sports ways to bet sports? Yeah, we got a sports book. We recently built out we recently built out our sports book and I thought it was gonna be something huge and exciting, but for some reason it just doesn't seem like it's picked up like I thought. I imagined the Vegas sports books where there's fields of seats, giant TVs, everyone's in there yelling during games, and ours is a little smaller, and it just doesn't seem to bring the same atmosphere that I was hoping to see or that I was expecting to see. So I'm gonna say it isn't living up to the hype for me. Not sure. Yeah, I, I would say five years ago when they first rolled out, I lived in a different state and it was pretty cool. Like it was seemed like a destination, like, wow, I can just go in and watch games and bet on sports, live bet, whatever. And it was pretty cool for a while, but then it's kind of like, you know, eh, there's such a big edge in those and just such a big vig you got to pay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just maybe if you're, you know, if you're in tune to trying to actually make it a winning, um, you know, hobby, lots of those just have such a high vig and, you know, the allure of the giant TVs and stadium seating wears off after a little bit would much rather uh, try to book bets with friends or something like that where you can uh, reduce the vig. No, yeah, that makes sense. I think the prevalence of online betting sites too, like DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, that's kind of taken the mystique off of sports betting. Like if you could just sit on your couch in the comfort of your own home and make this bet and sit there and sweat the game, why are you going to go to a sports book surrounded by people yelling and hooting and hollering, rooting for the team against you when you could just you know be in the comfort of your own home, make the same bets, have the same financial sweat so i think that's what what's crushing it is the online books not sure yeah and that's that's a problem that in general that nfl's had is you know with uh maybe not in recent years but pre-covid having declining attendance numbers because the you know hd in-home gaming you know uh viewing experience is just such vastly improved over the last you know 10 years and um you know when you add to the point that you can just you know place your bets right on your phone over a easy to access app uh, what reason do you really have to leave? <laughs> yeah, I'm staying home. If you need me, I'll be on the couch. <laughs> NFL Red Zone, shout out to Mr. Uh, Scott Hansen, the GOAT. Is that the guy who does more pants? Rumor has it, does not wear pants. You never see his uh, lower half. And uh, more, power, <laughs> more power to him. He's a great, they produce a great product over there at NFL Red Zone. That team is awesome. So NFL Red Zone might be the greatest invention in the history of, no. Fires, fire sliced bread, NFL red zone. In that order, yeah, top three for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Great accompany uh, accompaniment to uh, an NFL Sunday for sure. Can't beat it. All right, well, I got to get ready for work. I don't know about you. You want to wrap this pod? Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you listening. That's a wrap for us today. Topics, questions, or suggestions? Email podcast at twenty one tango dot com. Spotify search twenty one tango podcast. Find us on other socials, YouTube, TikTok, at 21Tango, or Twitter and Instagram, at 21Tango Podcast. Discord link is in the show notes. 
Signing out for Phil. I'm MJ. This is the 21 Tango Pod. Until next time. Oh, I got Tank Bigsby too, by the way. What a name. I don't Tank know who the fuck Tank Bigsby is. He, you're going to know about him in uh, by week five or six when Travis Etienne, his bum ass, stops producing. <laughs> Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby. Rookie RB for Jacksonville. Noise.